Hello, and welcome to the Embassy City Podcast. Thanks for joining us today. Now here's Pastor Tim. Isn't God good? Man, I'm so glad that you are here. If you're a first-time guest with us, thank you so much for being here. This is what I believe when we come into the house of God. We're not here on accident. I know you may have like, you know, gone through the list of 10,000 churches in DFW and said, you know what, I think I'm going to go here. Well, I believe that was divinely inspired because God's got a word for you. And God's going to do something special in your life. If you join us online, our Vitamin E family, we literally have people all over the globe that are watching every week. Thank you for your faithfulness wherever you are, sitting on your couch, laying in your bed, driving in your car, wherever you are. We're so thankful that you're with us. And those that are in the overflow, thank you so much for being here. I am so excited about this new series that we're about to kick off. We are starting a new series today that we are calling What Do You See? Several months ago, I preached a message and I titled it, Can You See It? And in that message, really what we talked about is that God generally will send a preceding sound about what he's going to do. He's going to talk to you about what he's going to do prior to him doing it. And that sermon was really kind of an appetizer for this sermon series. And so for the next several weeks, what we're going to do is we're going to talk about what I believe God has called us as a church to do. I believe that God has given us vision. I believe that God has given us a mission, and we're doing our best as a staff, as a leadership here at this church to kind of get some things geared up that I'm really excited about that you get to participate in this year. But I really want to spend the next few weeks just unpacking with you what I believe God specifically is calling us to do. But in order for us to really understand vision, what I'm going to do today is I want to spend some time talking to you about the importance of having vision. You know, some people are opposed to New Year's resolutions. <laughs> How many have been to the gym this week? <laughs> for, <laughs> for some of us, we got to wait a couple of weeks, right? <laughs> Planet Fitness know what they're doing. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? They get memberships signed up and, and they'll have it for two years. But But I want you to get started this year on understanding why it's important for you to have vision and why it's important for our church to have vision. God has ordained for us to have vision in our lives. And that's what we're going to talk about. So if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Revelation chapter 1. If you have a physical Bible, grab it, put it up in the sky, wave it, show us that you have a, oh, nice, Bible nerds, look at all over the house. Hey, I actually love having a physical Bible. It's just something about it. It just feels nice. But if you don't, that's okay. You'll see it on the screen. Uh, but before I read this scripture, we're kicking off 21 days of prayer and fasting tomorrow. Come on, somebody make some noise over that. Oh, yeah. So I told you last week uh, that I'm expecting God to do amazing things in the next 21 days. So I want to I tell you that God's already on the move. So I'm going to share a testimony with you. But let me just add this as a caveat to what I'm about to say. Fasting and prayer is not a way for us to manipulate God. It, we don't fast and pray to try to twist God's arm and go, well, I fasted for it, God. That's not what prayer, prayer and fasting is about us setting aside things in our lives, food, social media, whatever means something to you, so that we could concentrate on intimacy with God. 
However, consequently, when you get close to God, you start hearing him more clearly. And you start seeing him work a little more in your life. So last week, my mom called me on Friday. Not this past Friday, Friday before that. She called me and she said, hey, Timmy, uh, which she calls me Timmy. Hey, Timmy, uh, I got bad news. And our kids were staying over there at our house. And I thought, the first thought I had was like, oh, man, what did they break? (laughs) And I said, okay, what's up? She said, my car got stolen. I said, your, your actual car, not a toy car, your car got stolen. Yes, my Honda got stolen from in front of your house. Yes. Now, I don't know if you know anything about stolen vehicles, but the recovery of stolen vehicles is slim to none in terms of recovery. So, of course, my mom's a, a woman of faith and prayers, and she prayed, and nothing was happening. So we pretty much gave up hope, right? So this past Wednesday, my mom... Uh, said, you know what? I'm about to enter into this 21-day fast a little early. I'm going to start tomorrow on Thursday. And let me just tell you, I grew up with my mom fasting every week. And she would dedicate one day to the Lord, fast every week. And so she said, she told the Lord, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start fasting on Thursday. And, and this is my prayer for the 21 days. God, I'm asking you to help me find my car. Now, couples couple doors down from her is like the chief of the SWAT unit who has been doing his best to try to find this vehicle and we can't find it. We got video, but it's blurry. So all hope is lost, right? So on Thursday, she starts her fast. On Friday, she gets a letter in the mail and she opens it up and in the letter, it says, ma'am, we found your car and it's ready to be picked up. They may not hit you the way it hits me. But I'm just saying, somebody better get ready for God to do some spectacular things in the next 21 days. Your expectation sets the foundation for God to move. Whatever you need God to do, you better go ahead and ask him to do it in the next 21 days. Because God's going to do something special. All right, Revelation chapter 1, verse number 9. I know some of y'all are nervous, like, are we talking about the end times? Verse number nine, I, John, your brother and partner in the tribulation and the kingdom and the patient endurance that are in Jesus, was on the isle called Patmos on account of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus. Here, let me just stop and say this. Uh, Let me give you context. John is on an island by himself, the Isle of Patmos, and he is there. Why? Because he's doing the work of God. (laughs) Never get confused about trials and tribulations and suffering. It doesn't mean if you go through hard times that you're out of the will of God. In fact, oftentimes you end up having to go through suffering because you're doing the will of God. The will of God is not always easy. And it's okay to admit that. All right. He says, I was in the spirit on the Lord's day and heard behind me a loud voice like a trumpet saying, write what you see in a book and send it to the seven churches, to Ephesus and to Smyrna and to Pergamum, and to Thyatira, and to Sardis, and to Philadelphia, and to Laodicea. So I really want to concentrate in on uh, verse number 10. It says, I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day, and heard behind me a loud voice like a trumpet saying, write what you see in a book, and send it to the seven churches. 
So today, I want to talk about the importance of having vision, and my title for today is, You Got to See It to Believe It. You got to see it to believe it. I'm not talking about physically see it, but in the spirit, with spiritual eyesight, you have to see what God wants to do in your life in order to believe it. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your goodness and your mercy. I pray that in the next few moments as we dig into your, your word, you would give us revelation, that you would give us ears to hear, a heart to receive, a mind to understand what the Spirit says to us. Help us to walk out of here different than the way we walked in. We give your name all the praise and glory. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody say amen. Amen. So there are five basic human senses. One is we have the sense of touch. And the sense of touch is great because it gives us the ability to feel things. You can feel if something is rough or smooth, hot or cold, round or flat. Then you also have the sense to taste. How many thank God for the sense to taste? My, my, my. Your ability to taste if something is good, to taste what your favorite meal is, to taste if something is sweet or sour, bitter or salty. Then you have your sense of smell. Thank God for a sense of smell, right? Because your sense of smell will alert you to something that smells good, like your favorite meal. It can make you salivate. In fact, many of the animals in the animal kingdom, they depend on their sense of smell for survival, right? But a sense of smell can also alert you to funkiness, <laughs> right? Anybody been around teenagers lately? It's like, why is it that dudes at the age of like 13, 14 start smelling funky? That's when they start getting acts for Christmas. <laughs> I had to do that to my brother-in-law, you know what I'm saying? I had a young brother-in-law. When he turned 14, I was like, I got you acts, and I, and I asked you to use this, please. <laughs> so, so the other day, uh, we were in Target, and Zion, our three-year-old, was riding in the cart along with Zane. And we were going down the aisle, and I turned in this aisle, and man, I'm telling you, it smelled funky in that aisle. And Zion, he's very vocal and very passionate. He goes, ooh, who toot it? Well, it just so happened that there was a gentleman at the end of the aisle, and as soon as Zion said it, he went around the corner, and I'm like, this dude is crop dusting right now in Target, and we right in the middle of a funky cloud. So let me get up out of here. So I just left that aisle and went to the next aisle. Well, in the next aisle, I smelt it again. And I'm like, is this dude going through Target just funking up this whole store? And, and Zion does the same thing. He goes, ooh, daddy, this stinks. Who toot it real loud? And I'm embarrassed for this guy, but I'm also like, fam, go outside. You know what I'm saying? Go to the bathroom. So, so a few minutes later, we're in another aisle, and I smell it again. And I'm like, this guy is literally going all over the store with this funkiness, right? So Zion says again, and I said, Zion, who is it? And Zion smiles at me. He goes, it's me. <laughs> the whole time, this jerk has been doing it. 
But thank God for a sense of smell, right? And I had to go home with that. And then we have another sense, and it's a sense to hear. And hearing is very important because it alerts us to danger that's coming. It, it allows us to hear when people are calling us. It, it allows us to kind of navigate through some things. And then last but not least, you have your sense of sight. And the sense of sight is very important because, according to research, up to 80% of impressions and information is entered into our brain through sight. So you may wonder, out of the five senses, if you were going to lose one, which would it be? Well, I don't want to lose my sense of sight. Why? Because being able to see allows you to kind of take in the environment. Being able to see tells you who you are. You can look in the mirror and see who you are. It allows you to understand where you are, and it also allows you to understand where you are going. So when you lose your sense of sight, it can, it can inhibit you from doing a lot of things in life, right? So and to further prove the fact that sight is very important to us, we have to do what is called in the theological realm, uh, the law of first mention. If you're a, a Bible nerd and, and you want to look this up, it's called the law of first mention. And the law of first mention is this, that anytime we see a word or a principle or a thought or a phrase in the Bible, in order to properly understand it, we have to go back in scripture to see where it was first mentioned to understand context for that word, principle, or phrase. So when we apply the law of first mention to the idea of eyesight or vision, it takes us all the way back to the very beginning in Genesis chapter 1. Because when you read Genesis chapter 1, it tells the story of God uh, creating the heavens and the earth. And then on the seventh day, the Bible says that God saw he used his eyes, he saw what he had made, and he saw that it was very good, and God rested from all that he had done. So, so when God looks, he looks and he sees and he uses vision to behold what he has created. But then we have to go to Genesis chapter 3, and in Genesis chapter 3, we read the account of Adam and Eve being in the garden, and there in the garden, God told Adam and Eve, be fruitful, multiply, uh, uh, supplant the earth, uh, and have dominion in the earth, and, and basically fill the earth, and do my work. So as they're doing this, God also says, there's one thing that I don't want you to do. I don't want you to eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Right, But in the story, uh, in Genesis chapter 3, we find Eve now standing in front of the forbidden tree, and she's beholding the fruit. And while she is looking at the fruit, Satan slithers his way into the garden through the form of a serpent. And there he begins a conversation with Eve. And, and the serpent is like this. Hey, girl, hey. You just got to go with me, all right? This is how I imagine these Bible stories. And Eve is like... Hey, serpent. <laughs> and the serpent is like, hey, question. Um, did God actually say you shall not eat of this tree? When Satan begins to talk, he always is going to come with a question. Did God actually say? And, and Eve's reply to the serpent is, God didn't just say, don't eat it. He said, don't touch it. I just feel like this is how Eve, she had a little attitude to it. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and and here's, here's what happens, though. Her reply 
to the serpent isn't correct because it's not what God said. But what Eve felt like she could do is modify what God said. Anytime Satan begins to try to get you to sin, he's first of all going to try to get you to modify what God said. This is why you have to be very careful when people begin to give their own interpretation of Scripture. No, I want to know what did God actually say. Because whenever you start modifying what God actually says, you'll start getting confused about what he actually said. So she says, well, he said, don't eat of it and also don't touch it. And, and then, then Satan goes, well, I don't really think that's what is supposed to happen. And so let's read about it in Genesis chapter 3, verse number 4. This is Satan's reply through the serpent to Eve. He says, but the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die. For God knows that when you eat of it, check this out, your eyes will be opened. And you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman, check this out, saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to the what? Eyes. And that, it, and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise. She took of its fruit and ate. And she also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate. Then the, check this out, eyes of both were open and they knew that they were naked and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths. Can I tell you the significance of vision is displayed in this passage of scripture? Because when Satan got ready to attack the creation of God, when Satan got ready to come after Adam and Eve, he didn't come after their ability to work. He didn't come after their ability to use their hands. He didn't come after their ability to walk. He came after their ability to see. Because Satan knew, if I can capture their vision, I can get them focused on something else other than doing what God has called them to do. Satan knew that if I can affect their vision, I can affect their direction. If I can affect their vision, I can affect their concentration. If I can affect their, their vision, then I can get them so distracted that they will stop doing what God has called them to do. Satan is after your vision. He starts attacking it. Now, I also want you to look at this. The first result of sin wasn't that Adam and Eve were separated from God. The first result, now you, you probably heard many preachers preach that, that because they sinned and then they were separated from the garden. That wasn't the first result. The first result of Adam and Eve um, having participated in sin, the first result in their life is that they stopped seeing God for who he is and who they are in relation to God and what he's called them to do. The first result of sin is that they started looking inward on themselves. They started seeing their own frailty, their own insufficiency, their own nakedness, their own vulnerability. They started looking in upon themselves instead of looking at what God had in front of them. This is why it's important to guard your vision because if you don't guard your vision, you will have no direction in life. This is why the scripture tells us in Proverbs 29, 18, that where there is no prophetic vision, the people cast off restraint. Can I tell you, what you listen to is what you see. Because check this out. Satan wasn't able to affect their eyes directly. But what he was able to do is speak into their ears, and then what they heard is what they saw. This is why you have to be very careful who you listen to. Because who you listen to will affect what you see. And what you see will become the direction in which you walk. This is, let me just stop and say this. This is why you got to be careful not to be slipping in people's DMs. 
Stop flirting and stop talking with that person at your job. Because eventually what you will start doing is when you talk to this person, you will start imagining what it's like to be with that person. And next thing you know, you will stop seeing the plan of God for your life to remain a faithful person. And you will start heading in the direction of sinful behavior. That's not even in my notes, but that was just for free. So we have to understand that vision is important. But to understand the importance of vision, we have to talk about the effects of having no vision, right? And to do so, I'm going to demonstrate it. I brought this. Now, this is my wife's. <laughs> Don't trip. <laughs> when you have no vision, the first thing that happens is that you start forgetting who you are. Because now I no longer can see myself in a mirror. Also, when you have no vision, you lose your sense of direction. You, you no longer understand where you are. So now, not only do I not see myself, but now I don't know where I am. And when I don't know where I am, I start looking for things to hold on to. And, and when I have no vision, I'm looking for stability in my life, but I don't know how to find stability in my life, so I hold on to the very things that I can hold on to even though it's not secure, it makes me feel secure. Because I have no sense of direction and I don't know where I am, so I hold on to things that are shaky and they're not really stable, but they're the most stable thing to me, so I'm gonna hold on to it. So I hang on to relationships that are unstable, but they're stable to me because I have no vision. When you have no vision, what ends up happening is you also don't know where you're going. And when you don't know where you're going, what you'll start doing is asking somebody else to come and help you Use their vision. Wow. Where you at? Okay, thank you. <laughs> Bro, I can't see. All right, this is what I want you to do. I want to use your vision because I have no vision. Because I have no vision, I got to use your vision. So, so I'm going to tell you where I want to go, but you got to lead me by your eyesight. So I want you to take me to, toward the drums, please. Okay, we're going towards the drums. Oh, this is going to be excellent. I love it, I love it. I love that we're going toward the drums. Are we, are we by the drums? Well, 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 I have no vision, so I don't know. So I got to wait on somebody else to give me a word about where I'm at. I have no vision, so I got to concentrate on somebody else's vision. And they're going to take me wherever they want to go. Why? Because I have no vision for myself. So I want you to take me somewhere else, wherever you want to go. I'm just connected to you. Just take me wherever. I, I don't know. And watch my step because I don't know how to watch out for pitfalls myself or stumbling blocks myself. I just need you to tell me where those things are. This is what happens when you have no vision. Another thing that happens when you have no vision is that, that it, no matter how strong you are, when you have no vision, it doesn't matter. Can we ask Samson about it? It doesn't matter what your gift is, right? It doesn't matter how great the anointing of God is on your life. If you have no vision, you don't know how to use what God's given you. So, so no matter how strong Samson was, when Samson got, got deceived by Delilah and they cut off his hair and he lost his anointing, guess what he did? He didn't know what to do. So they took his eyesight because they said, we don't care how strong you are, Samson. We don't care that you can, that you can lift gates up and take it to wherever you want to go. If you have no vision, you have no direction, so your strength don't matter. Your gifts are null and void if you have no vision. So what God wants to do is God wants to remove the blinders 
and give you vision. Thank you, bro. I didn't even know we were over there. I thought I was right. What God wants to do is he wants to give you vision. Because when you have vision, you have direction. And when you have direction, you know where you're going. This is why I want to talk to you about the vision for our church. Because where there is no vision, the people perish. This is why Jesus said, one of the five things that he said he came to do, he said, I came to give sight to the blind. And it wasn't just in a natural sense, but it was in a spiritual sense. Who was he talking to? The household of Israel. Who had what? Lost sight of what God had for them. So they, here's what, here's what happens to happen when you don't have vision in your life. You start manufacturing things. You start having to use your imagination. When I say the word elephant, is there one picture of an elephant? Is there an elephant in the room? Well, there may be for somebody. <laughs> but there isn't a physical elephant here. But you imagined an elephant in your mind. Why? Not because you saw it, but because you heard it. So the question is then, how do we get vision? And what is vision? What is, what is contained in vision? There are three things that are contained in vision. If, you have, if you're taking notes, write this down. Number one, vision will tell you who you are. Number two, vision will tell you where you are. And number three, vision will tell you where you are going. And you may be like, well, prove it by the Bible. I got you, fam. Adam is the first person that had vision in his life, God-given vision. How do we know this? Well, God told Adam who he was. You are man. He told Eve who she was. You are woman. You're Adam and Eve. You are my creation. This is who you are. Where are you? You are in the garden. What are you supposed to be doing? I want you to be fruitful and multiply. Were they already? No, but vision tells you where you're going. How do we do it? It doesn't matter. You start figuring out how you do it when you have the vision to know where you're going. Abraham, Abraham, who are you? You are a friend of God. Where are you? You're in the Ur of Chaldeas. Where are you going? You're going to the land of Canaan. David, who are you? You're a shepherd. Where are you? You're in the house of Jesse. Where are you going? You're going to go sit on the throne. Jesus, who are you? My beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Where are you? In the wilderness. Where are you going? You're going to go sit on the throne in heaven. So vision is always going to include these three things. Now the question then becomes, how do I get vision? Somebody say, how How? do I get get vision? vision. This is why we read Revelation chapter 1. Because I I felt implored by the Holy Spirit to teach you how to get vision for your life. And there are three things that we have to observe in Revelation chapter 1 that John did. First thing that John said he did is that he said, I was in the spirit on the Lord's day. If you want God-given vision for your life, the number one thing that you have to do is get in the spirit. You can come up with your own vision. I want to I wanna lose uh, 6% body fat. I want to have an eight-pack. I want uh, to run a 5K this year. I want to do a marathon. Hey, God bless you if you are running a marathon. I am not the one. I'm the kind of person that I've had many people ask, hey, you want to run a half marathon with me? I'm like, no, I will be the dude with a cup of water. <laughs> Keep going. You only have 10 more miles. <laughs> you can have your earthly goals, but if you want God-given vision, you got to get in the spirit. Yeah. 
And you may say, like, how do I get in the spirit? Does this mean some kind of ecstasy? Does this mean some kind of, like, experience where I have an out-of-body experience and I'm sitting there with my legs crossed and, and going, hmm, do I have to speak in tongues for 35 hours? No. To get in the spirit, we have to look at what John said. John said, I was in the spirit on the Lord's day. Now, the significance, if you do study on the Lord's day, the Lord's day is a church service. The Lord's Day is what we do when we come to gather together in the presence of the Lord. There are three things that we do anytime we gather on the Lord's Day. Number one, we worship. If you want to get in the spirit, you've got to learn how to worship. You have to maybe turn off some music and turn on some worship music. Maybe you have to, whatever you got to do to get in the spirit, you have to worship. Worship is an act of placing God where he is in your mind. He is on the throne, and when you worship, you acknowledge that he is on the throne. If you don't know what to say, just say hallelujah. <laughs> if, you don't know, if you don't know where to go or how to, how to respond, just when you worship, just place God in his rightful place. Number one is we worship. Number two is we pray. You may say, like, what is prayer? I have a hard time praying. Prayer is simply defined as exchanging wishes. Prayer literally means I talk to God about what I would like and I do it with an open hand to receive whatever he gives me. Because God will give you whatever is best for your life. That's why we have to pray in humility, knowing that whatever I'm asking God for, I'm okay with his answer. If I ask God for healing, he may not give me direct healing right now, but maybe he gives me ultimate healing. If I ask God for uh, um, a Mercedes S500, I may be okay with a Kia Spectra. If I ask God for because you have to be okay with whatever God gives you. That's prayer. And then the third thing is you got to get in God's word. The word of God is God's gift to us. It's his words to us. It is, it is him, his authorized words that are in the canon of scripture given to us. If you want to get in the spirit, first of all, you have to worship, pray, and get in God's word. Because it makes you sensitive to hear from God. The second part of getting vision that's getting in the spirit. The second part of getting a vision is that you have to listen. Because God speaks to us through our ears. How does God speak? He speaks by impressions. When you have the Holy Spirit, if you have accepted Jesus and the Holy Spirit comes into your life, God begins to give you impressions. He begins to navigate your life. The Bible says the Holy Spirit would teach you all things, right? He will, he will tell you which way to turn. He will give you impression that's not where you're supposed to. He will convict you when you try to sin. He will, he will set you straight when you start to go wrong. The Holy Spirit will start communing with you. And when you're in the Spirit, you become sensitive to what he's saying to you. So the Lord will start giving you impressions, but he'll also speak through other people. I have found this out, that when I'm praying about vision, I'm listening not just to, to, to the Holy Spirit, but I'm also listening to those that love me, that pray for me, that walk in the Spirit. I'm listening to what they're saying to me. And thirdly, the, the Lord speaks to us through his word. And then here's the third thing. You got to write it down. Whenever the Lord starts giving you vision, you got to write it down. Write down what he's impressing on you. Write down what he's saying to you. Write down what he's, what he's putting on your life. Now, I'm giving you this because this is exactly how I pray about vision for our church. I, 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 
first of all, several months ago, started to pray and get in God's word. And I get into the spirit and then I'm listening to what God is wanting to say to us. And then I write it down. And over the next few weeks, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to teach you. I'm going to show you what I wrote down about the vision that I believe that God has given our church. But I'm here to preach and tell somebody that if you have no vision, you have no direction in your life. This is why God wants to give you vision. So then you may say, like, how do I know that God is the one that gave me that vision? Somebody say, how do I know? Number one, it's big. The vision that God gives you is big. It's so big that you can't accomplish it in your own spirit. Somebody say, like, how do I know God's talking? You can't do it. How do I know that God's leading me to do this? You can't do it in your own power. Well, how do I know that God is the one giving me the vision? God's vision for you is so big and so grand and so phenomenal that you can't do it in your own human ability. You have to rely on faith in God to accomplish the vision that God gives you. This is why I make no apologies about telling people that I don't know how to accomplish the will of God. I just know what he wants me to do. Because the vision for your life that God has for you is bigger than what you think. It's not, it's not so small that you can do it. God requires faith to accomplish the vision that he gives you. People aren't going to always agree with the vision that God gives you. People aren't going to understand. Could you imagine how crazy people must have thought that Abraham was? When he said, listen, listen, I, I, I don't have any kids right now, but this is the vision that God gave me. The vision that God gave me is that he's going to make of me a great nation and that, that God's going to bless all the ends of the earth. And anyone that curses me is going to be cursed. And anyone that blesses me is going to be blessed. God said, wherever I put my foot, that's what he's going to give to me. He said, he's going to raise up a nation out of me. When you begin to talk to other people about the vision that God has given you, it's going to sound crazy. I'm telling you, next couple of weeks, when I begin to talk to you about what I believe God is calling us to do, it's going to sound crazy, but it's only crazy until it happens. Thank you, Mike Todd. The vision that God has for your life is huge. It's big. And here's the second way that you know it's God. It points to God. We don't get the glory for the vision that God gives us. We don't get to say, ha ha, I did that. No, God says the only way you did it is that I did it through you. So when people see it, they go, ain't no way that was Tim Rivers. Ain't no way that was, that was Sheila. Ain't no way that was Earl. That had to have been God. Because if I know Earl like I know Earl, Earl ain't able to do this but by the power of the Holy Spirit. And here's the third way that you know it's God. That it lines up with truth. It lines up with the word of God. God will not violate himself with the vision that he gives you. It is not the will of God for you to go have three wives. I just felt in the spirit that I'm supposed to have three and five concubines. That ain't, no, that don't line up with his word. God doesn't give you vision that doesn't align with his character. Now, now, now why does God give us vision? Habakkuk chapter two, verse number two. Or Habakkuk. I know some of your theologians were like, mm. <laughs> this is what God says. Write the vision and make it plain. Okay, why? So that he may run who reads it. Why does God want vision for you individually and for our church so that we can put them down and pick them up and head 
right to where God wants us to go. Here's the secret sauce about vision. It ain't your vision. It's God's vision. All I got to do is run. When God says, here it is, this is what I want you to do. All I got to do is say, all right, God, what you want me to do? Got it. And you got to take off running. Here's what I believe God's going to do with us in our church and you individually as a person is God is about to unleash in you a recognition of his vision for your life that you will be able to take off running toward, how do I get there? That don't matter. You just know where you're going. How is it all going to work out? That don't matter. We just work our way toward it. How are we going to get there? I'm anxiety ridden. Why? No, no, no. God says, I don't, I'm going to give you strategy on how to do it. All I need you to do is believe that this is what I have designed for your life. Now take off. Abraham said, I don't know where I'm going. God said, don't worry about that. I will tell you as you are going, but I need you to go because I already told you where you're going. So the question is for us, for us individually is this. Do you have vision for your life? Because I can tell you if you don't have vision, you have no direction. And when you have no direction, you will feel lost. And God's vision for your life doesn't mean that everything is going to be perfect. You will have to go through some valleys. You will have to go through some hard times. Maybe sickness does hit your family. Maybe you have to go through incredible loss. And it's sometimes during the journey that we begin to question whether God really gave us this vision or not. I've been there. I've been there when I've heard God say, I've called you to preach the gospel. I've called you to be in ministry and then had to go through times where I go, if this is what ministry is, I ain't trying to do that, fam. And I remember going to work a corporate job and I would go in the office and just sometimes stare at the wall. And I didn't blame God, but I for sure questioned him. But really, I questioned myself. Because I would go, God, did I hear you right? This doesn't seem right to me. So maybe you're in this place. And you're like, I thought I had vision, but my life currently doesn't seem to line up with what I saw. It's not your vision. It's God's vision. Your job is to take one step at a time toward the vision that God has for your life. I don't know who I'm preaching to today, but I'm preaching to somebody. Because there's somebody that you started this year and you said, I ain't writing down no goals. Because the way my last year went, I ain't trying to set myself up like that again. I'm here to give you some hope. I'm here to preach some faith into you. God's vision doesn't have time stamps. We try to put time stamps on God. God, if it don't happen this year, I'm out, fam. 
God's like, nah, you ain't ready. You ain't ready this year. It's going to take some molding, making, breaking. I got to get some stuff out of you. I got to put some stuff in you so that you can accomplish my vision. But really what I want to tell you today, it's important to have vision. How do I get it? Get in the spirit. In the next 21 days, as we begin to pray and fast corporately, this is the perfect time to do it. Whatever you got to do, whatever you got to push aside, whatever you got to sacrifice, whatever you got to give up, get in the spirit. And when you're getting in the spirit, listen. Listen to those prompts, those impressions that God begins to give you. It doesn't make any sense. It ain't supposed to make sense to you. If it's a God thing, it's what? Big. And here's the third thing, write it down. In the next 21 days as we begin to pray and fast and as I begin to unpack what I believe the vision for our church is, write down what God is speaking to you about the role that you play in it. All heads bowed, all eyes closed. I want to pray for somebody today. Because I believe that there is somebody in here that you have been so faithful, man. I want to just say how much I love you, how much God loves you. And he's so proud of you for coming to this place for listening online. Even though you feel like your vision is shaky, I believe that this is going to be a year of a reignition of vision. Because when you can see, when you have vision in your life, you know where you're going. So if there's anybody in this place or online that you say, man, I've been a little shaky. I don't, I don't really know if I have vision. I, I've been a little shaky on that. I want you to raise your hand all across this room online, throw it up in the chat because I want to pray a specific prayer for you. Just keep that hand up as high as you can. Heavenly Father, you see these hands that are raised right now and maybe some that feel it but don't feel inclined to raise their hand. I pray right now that you would inundate us with a renewed faith for vision, for direction. Give us understanding through your word that vision helps us to know who we are in you, where we are currently, and where we are going. So as we begin to dig in your word and we get in the spirit and we listen and we write down, reveal to us, God, where you're taking us. Help us to walk in the beauty and the splendor and the glory that you have bestowed for us. We give your name all the praise, all the glory, all the honor in Jesus' name. And everybody shout amen. Come on, give Jesus some praise in the building. Thanks for listening today. If this message spoke to you in any way, please subscribe in your favorite podcast app and leave a review too. We would like to connect with you. For past messages, updates, and more, please visit embassycity.com. You can watch live on Sundays and view past messages on our YouTube channel at youtube.com forward slash Church. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Embassy Irving. If you'd like to support more of what we're doing, you can give online at embassycity.com or text embassycity, all one word, to 77977. We pray you have a great week. Thanks for listening today.